Elementary music teacher friend, you love what you do, but you might feel unappreciated and, in fact, unseen some days. You may even feel like you're on a music teacher island and just want to connect with other music teachers who can relate to both your struggles and wins when it comes to teaching elementary music. I get you and understand completely the feelings you're having. That's why each and every week, the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast will provide you with solo and guest episodes that will help you realize you're not alone in your music teaching journey. Throughout each episode, my goal is for you to be able to walk away with actionable steps and ideas to help you feel like you're ready to take on the new week with whatever challenges may be thrown your way. Hi, I'm your host, Jessica Peresta, and I'm so glad you're here. Whether you're at home, in your car, in the shower, or wherever else you're listening, grab your cup of coffee or whatever other beverage is nearby and listen in to the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. Hey there, friend. Welcome back to the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. Happy New Year. It is now 2021. We can officially say we are leaving the year 2020 behind us, and I am so excited about that. 2020 was a year of pivoting, and I did just that thing on this podcast this year as well. With each episode, I really thought out what I wanted to bring to you, my listeners, because I really value you and want this podcast to be relevant for what you're facing. I want this podcast to bring a little normalcy into your life and make you laugh and make you feel like you're out to coffee with me and the guest I'm talking to. But I also want the episodes to reflect what you're really dealing with to help you grow and move forward as an elementary music teacher. My goal with each episode is to make it relevant with topics discussed and guests I bring on. So this episode will recap the most downloaded episodes from each month of 2020. I pulled in some of my favorite snippets from those episodes that I loved. Whether you're a first-time listener or you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I can't wait to bring you new content and new guests in 2021. Every episode of my podcast from when I started the podcast to now, I really think through the podcast episodes and really want you to get value from them. So even if you don't hear your favorite episode on here, or you haven't had time to really explore the podcast yet, go through and look through past episodes, wherever you're listening from, whatever your favorite podcast platform is, and really go through and find topics that you are needing in your teaching and in your life. So I can't wait for today's episode. I really hope you get a lot from this. Just listening into a few samples from my most downloaded episodes from each month of 2020. From January, this is episode 84, Combining Orphan Gadai and Teaching Upper Elementary and Middle School Music with Jessica Grant. They want the responsibility. They want to be seen, honestly, as adults, you know, but just as older students, they don't like feeling talked down to or like you're you're talking to them like a child because they see themselves as so big, you know, and so right, right. honestly, they're changing so much mentally, physically, emotionally, but they're still kids and they still love joyful things. They love funny things and trying to find things that really keep their attention and build in that desire for them to give effort. And so it's kind of this thing where 
They want to be leaders, but they want to fit in with their peers. And they don't want to stand out too much, but at the same time, they do want to please you, but they're not predictable in their moods and their friendships are constantly changing and their effort because of their moods. Sometimes they've been on their iPhone too late at night, so they're super tired in the morning, you know, and then, mm -hmm. you know, all through those changes, they really need us to be predictable so that when they come into our music room, they know we're not just going to snap, you know, at them or something because of a look they're giving us or, you know, just, um, I'm not saying they should be disrespectful and that you should just take it, but you know what I mean? It's like, they need us to be predictable that when they come in, they know we're going to greet them joyfully. They know that we're going to have plans for them and that we're going to find this balance of material as well. And that, that's another thing that I have found really helps them is finding material that piques their interest and that isn't too easy or too hard. The things that they can relate to, like the pop music, you don't have to do all pop pieces, but bringing in even just one can make a huge difference. From February, this is episode 86, Five Practical Ways to Implement Social and Emotional Learning Strategies in the Music Room with Paige Bell. But the reason I like social emotional learning is because it's a way to connect with kids and gain the respect so that they will be able to achieve more in your class and they will be able to learn more. And of course, it's not going to look perfect at all times, but I am hoping that I can offer just some practical tips because that's one thing I am really big on is offering tangible, practical tips that actually work and are easy for music teachers to implement because we've got so much going on and we have kids rotating through our classrooms and, um, and sometimes it's overwhelming and we think, how are we going to fit everything in, yeah. you know? how can I even fit in the standards? But then on top of that, um, develop these tight knit relationships yeah. with the kids. So that's why I got really excited about social emotional learning yeah. when it first came out. From March, this is episode 92, Teaching Solfege with Melissa Stouffer. I think teaching Solfege, the biggest thing that you need to know is that you really just have to kind of take your time and be patient with the kids and yourself because it is not something that we it's it's not sort of one of those things that you come out of college music education really having a lot of great experience with and and really being prepped with I feel like rhythm everyone's like okay I got it we're good to go but soulfish is kind of a a difficult sort of topic and there's lots of different thoughts on it and and we get in there but if you take the time and really build all of this stuff your kids will be able to to actually utilize what they see and become self-sufficient and that's something I think that's really important that we don't stress enough is that you're not just feeding them the notes all mm -hmm. the time um and that can be hard where, you know, you're in a spot where, you know, you have performances and, and things like that, but it, it's hard to let go of that side of ourselves that wants to be a perfectionist, but I think it's important. Another episode from March, episode 93, Keep Teaching Music, Yes, Even Online, with me. Nothing will ever replace you as the teacher. 
I know you've had that thoughts because I've seen them. I've heard them. I have gotten direct messages about them. You're feeling like all this technology that's out there, it's just going to replace you. And then it's going to make people think that music is even less important than some people already think it is. It's not true. You still matter. You are still the music teacher. All of that teaching you did from the beginning of the school year till right now has not, it's not going to be forgotten. Your kiddos have learned so much music. And because they've learned so much music while they were with you in person, it's just going to continue while they're at home with all the suggestions I just gave. They'll be able to still actively make music at home because of who you are as a music teacher. The technology is just supplemental to what they've already learned. A lot of you have schools telling you don't teach anything new right now to just keep building on whatever you've already done, which is why I already said send familiar um, songs home. From April, episode 97, Culturally Relevant Teaching in the Elementary Music Classroom with Franklin Willis. And so for the teacher who doesn't like hip hop or who doesn't like pop music or who doesn't like reggae or who doesn't like acoustic I'm sorry. Be able to accept that this is what our kids are listening to. Yeah. This is what speaks to them. This is what makes them come alive. And so for me, it was being able to accept that and realize that, hey, that's okay. We can explore that music by also touching the musical standards, by also creating opportunities for them to connect to the terminology that us education folks like to use. And so um, for me, culturally relevant is just being aware of the times in which we are living and breathing and teaching and learning. Um, And so with that in mind, I always try to keep something in my pocket. Um, Last year, it was Old Town Road. From May, episode 101, preparing for any teaching situation next school year with me. So remembering the goal here is for kids to experience music. Yes, it's going to look different than it would in the classroom in a normal setting. Yes, it's not going to be like you normally would start the fall. And yes, your situation may be overwhelming and maybe you're just having thoughts right now. Gosh, I barely got through this last couple months. I don't know if I want to do this again in the fall, but I fully believe that you having a plan in place, organize your emotions, organize your thoughts, figure out what lesson plans worked and what didn't, and then go through each plan we talked about here to really think about how you can apply what we talked about to your particular teaching situation. I think if you just have a plan in place and have the right mindset, then you'll feel so much better in the fall. You're not just going to be thrown in there like it feels like you just went through a blender. You're going to have a couple months off to really think about it, process it, and get in there and do it. From June, episode 103, Beating Imposter Syndrome with Katie Holbrook. Something that I also have been thinking a lot about is that collaboration is really the mindset to have when going into a conversation with another teacher. Um, when you, especially when you go into a conversation with somebody that's either more experienced than you, or they have their really, like their own way of doing things that if you approach that person with 
let's collaborate on this issue rather than you have your opinion and I have my opinion and one of us is right, that you're going to have a much more easier time trying to solve these problems or find some kind of solution to, especially going into all this online learning that we have right now, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. if everybody comes to the table ready to contribute as well as listen, instead of here's what I'm doing and not listening to everybody else, that's where the problem is. And that goes back to what we teach our kids too, is you have to listen just as much as you speak. From July, episode 111, classroom management, setting up your classroom and having the right mindset as you head back into the school year with me. Even if you, let's say your school tells you you're starting out the school year, teaching on a cart, teaching virtually, or still just sending on paper packets, but they say, but the second half of the school year, we might start our normal routine again. You might have your regular schedule again where the kiddos are coming to you again. That's why it's so important right now to think about setting up your classroom or to think about classroom management, even if right away you're not in your classroom. Because once you are, as you're already thinking through this stuff, it's already going to be thought through. So when you see your students, then if you are able to get them back in your classroom at all this year, then you're already good to go. Okay. Okay, so right along with planning the way your classroom will look, I want you to think about how you'll set up your music cart, this, the way students will interact with each other, if social distancing is still in place, and unique ways you can still bring music experiences to your students, even if it's not the way you would normally do things. From August, episode 113, Teaching Music Virtually and Self-Care with Michelle Rose. Anything that anything can be done virtually, but mm -hmm. not always in the way that you've always done it. Yeah. And a lot of times you need to be creative and that can be difficult if you've done something for so long, or if you are having to think about so many other things, you know, it can be difficult to hold that space for like, okay, so how can I have a rehearsal with my band or choir when they're not even in the same physical location. It took yeah. me an entire semester to develop the model that I use um, in my school. And I was very, it was very good timing because last year, last spring was the first time that I tried the virtual ensemble model that I had developed. And it was good timing because then I had, you know, been able to share it with so many people, but I had not even perfected it. I mean, this is only the third semester that I've done virtual rehearsals. Mm. Um, so it's by no means like a perfected system, but uh, the world could not wait for a perfected system. We just kind of had to do what we could with what we had. Mm -hmm. And so many people, you know, developed so many great ideas and techniques too, that I am looking forward to implementing myself. Another episode from August, episode 114, creating engaging content for elementary music students with Darlene Mashakon. I feel that the most important thing about thinking about creating engaging content is first looking at yourself. And so what that means is asking yourself these questions, am I truly open to challenging traditional methods? Or am I only comfortable with content that I've done before or that is in my, you know, usual zone of pedagogy? So I think um, 
if we're not reflective on our comfort levels, then it will be a challenge to adapt to new strategies and new content that has been tested to work for kids, that has been engaging. So I think, yeah, it's really important to ask yourself those questions, see what your preferences are, and see how they line up with your student preferences are. Mm -hmm. Um, So another thing about reflecting is also seeing that teaching isn't one size fits all. There is no one perfect method for students. Um, I came from an institution that was telling me, hey, this method book is the best. We think all students can do well in this. And I'm thinking, yes, but all students are different. Right. So I think as teachers, we need to be aware of all the different methods and strategies out there and then test run them with kids and see what works for them and run with it. From September, episode 116, Inclusion and Literature in the Music Room with Carissa Duncanson. And so so just giving, allowing your students to really truly see themselves. So who's writing it? Who's illustrating it? Um, will your students see themselves or will, can you be that sliding glass door for them by picking a book that maybe they would not, they've never experienced Korean culture, X, Y, or Z. And when you pick that Korean book, who wrote it? Yeah. Is it written by an American, you know, an American person or somebody who hasn't, who really truly doesn't understand um, Korean culture, or is it written by somebody who has lived that experience? I think that's, that is one of the best gifts you can give your kids is giving them resources and specifically when talking about literature or music, Mm -hmm. uh, giving them authentic, authentic resources Mm -hmm. so that they can truly feel included and truly see themselves or see their classmate who is Mm -hmm. from a different um, category than themselves. Yeah. From October, episode 121, What If Statements for Music Teachers with me. Have you looked at your curriculum map? The very first thing you need to do is to look at your curriculum map, whatever curriculum map you're using. It does not matter to me which one you're using, okay? There, there's a ton of them out there. And so look at your curriculum map. And why am I saying to do this if your students can't sing? Because when you're looking at your curriculum map, you'll be able to focus on the teaching concepts and objectives and not so much what song am I teaching. Does that make sense? If you're teaching steady beat, then you can say, okay, my concept I'm teaching is steady beat. How am I going to teach this? I still want to use this song, but instead of my kiddos singing, I need to adapt it in a little bit, um, adapt it in a way where they can still focus on steady beat. So that goes into my next question is, can I sing while my students listen? So are you allowed to sing while your students listen? And while they're listening, can they keep the steady beat? on their laps? Can they clap the rhythm? Can they do some movement activities while they are listening to you sing or listening to the song played on a Bluetooth speaker or whatever it might be? From November, episode 126, Hip Hop Music Education with Courtney Powers. That was just, it's just presenting that culture of the classroom. And I mean, it's like I said, yeah, before it doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. And be firm. If you're going to say something in August, you better be doing it in September, October, and November yes. to show your consistency. Consistency and is key. If, yes. Yes, consistency is absolutely crucial because they 
sometimes those students do not have that much consistency. Mm -hmm. And so when they know that they can come in a music class and you're going to give them a number to sit on the carpet or whatever you're mm -hmm. getting in the classroom procedure is. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely agree, like definitely meeting students outside, at whatever, K, K to 12 is how to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and whatever procedure you have going in, but is you can always gauge kids outside, like who's off, what's going on, like who, who's pouting or whatever it may be. From December, episode 131, Adapting Instruction for Our New Normal with Taylor Nardone. So in my class on a normal day, like outside of a pandemic, we would have <laughs> equal amount, I don't know, what is that, right? <laughs> we have an equal amount of singing, an amount of visuals up on the board, like the peaks and the valleys within class, like a valley of a visual up there. Mm -hmm. And then we would have an equal amount of time with some movement and then instruments. So I'm not like a singing focus class. It's not a movement focus. Like it's all mm -hmm. different elements kind of combined into one. Right. So all we're doing is just taking out one piece of that, but we still have the rest of it. We still have all of the stuff that we can do up on the board. We can do so many exciting things with technology. And then we can do movement still, but it's just modified. They just have to be in their desk area, but that's fine. We can work with that. We can do some drumming. I still can bring in some instruments. I just have to be mindful of who's using them when. You know what I mean? So I think there's so many different ways to make music outside of our traditional realm of singing. And I think if anything, maybe a silver lining is that it will push us a little bit as music teachers to kind of look outside of that box and see the different ways that students can still get excited about. Is that me? I am so sorry. My alarm just went off. It was reminding me of our talk, but we're already in it. We no, you're in. fine. You're fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm huge on that, you know, that it shouldn't, I don't know. I don't think the class should have one specific focus per se of any of those elements. I think, or yeah. not, I shouldn't say should, but you know, yeah. it's, it's nice to kind of have a, a balance of it. Well, hey there. Thank you so much for listening into the elementary music teacher podcast. There is an exclusive Facebook group just for listeners of this podcast and any elementary music teacher called the elementary music teacher community Facebook group. Come on over and join us there where we have conversations around the podcast episodes and encourage each other each and every week. And also head to my website, thedomesticmusician.com. I have some free resources there that you can download to help you gain traction in your classroom today as well as the blog and the membership site and all kinds of other goodies to help you keep going in your music teaching journey. I cannot wait to keep connecting with you and encouraging you and spurring you on in your journey of teaching elementary music. Hang in there, have an amazing week, and I will see you soon.